Inspiring interviews with today's top landlords. This is the Rental Income Podcast. And now, Dan Lane. Isaac, I know that you've been investing in rental properties and managing properties for quite a while. Have you made some mistakes along the way? Oh, absolutely. And I, I probably, you know, hopefully I've, I've learned from them. On the podcast today, Isaac is going to be sharing with us six different mistakes that he's made as a landlord so that hopefully you can learn from his mistakes, not make the same mistakes, and save yourself a lot of time and money. Joining us on the show today for a repeat appearance from Indianapolis is Isaac Barrow. We'll take a really quick break. We'll thank our sponsors. We'll come right back and we'll talk to Isaac. The first step in buying a rental property is to get pre-qualified. And I would suggest you work with a lender that specializes in working with investors because the last thing you want to have happen is to get to closing and find out the money's not there and you can't close. The lender that I recommend is Chaley Ridge from Ridge Lending Group. She's a nationwide lender, and she'll pre-qualify you for free if you mention Rental Income Podcast. Find out more today. Contact Chaley at RidgeLendingGroup.com. That's R-I-D-G-E LendingGroup.com. NMLS 42056. A good deal on a rental property isn't going to last very long. To win properties today, you need to move quickly when a deal comes on the market. But it takes time to analyze a property. I want to let you know about an app where you can analyze deals on your phone in seconds. It's called Ask Rick. That's R-I-C for Rental Income Calculator. You can analyze a deal with the push of a button. You can figure out the rent, your mortgage payment, your expenses, and figure out the cash flow. If the numbers make sense, you can make an offer right there on the app, or you can send a calendar invite to your agent to see the property in person. Ask Rick is currently offering a free seven-day trial. Just search for Ask Rick in the App Store or go to Just Ask Rick. That's R-I-C, JustAskRick.com. I've put a lot of time, effort, and money into building my rental portfolio. It's something I'm very proud of, something I want to protect, and something I want to keep in my family for a long time. That's why I put together an estate plan. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage your own custom estate plan starting at just $199. Just go to trustandwill.com RIP and you'll get 10% off plus free document shipping. I thought about doing a will for a long time, but I thought it was going to be very complicated, confusing, and expensive, and I just kept putting it off. Luckily, I found Trust and Will, and the whole process could not have been easier. My wife and I sat down one Saturday morning over a cup of coffee. We went to trustandwill.com. They walked us through a series of questions, and at the end, we got our own state-specific and customized will for our needs. Trust and Will has made estate planning easy and accessible for everybody. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash RIP. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash RIP. So as much as we try to avoid having vacancies, you're going to have vacant units from time to time. And Isaac, you've, you've had some vacant properties that have been targeted for break-ins. Luckily, nothing's gotten 
too bad, but what what happened? Well, we've had we've had a couple break-ins over the years. I I always advise people, you know, when you have a vacant, you got to have a policy and and sort of like a checklist. I mean, I I, I sometimes even use like a yellow legal pad uh, for everything, but for move outs and move ins, I think you have to have a, a sort of a checklist of what you got to do to make everything right. For one, I mean, I think, you know, something, you know, one thing I think people skip over sometimes is utilities. Uh, so like, especially in the winter months, uh, you know, making sure utilities are back in your name. So a pipe doesn't burst. Uh, but in terms of break-ins, Fortunately, we haven't had it too bad. We have had a couple smashed windows, uh, but we, we haven't gotten it too bad. Uh, there was one incident like four years ago where somebody went to the basement and stole the water meter, which I don't know what they really got out of that, mm. but <laughs> they stole the water meter. They didn't stick. They didn't do anything with the furnace, which had just been installed. Uh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, I always advise people like, you know, do some marketing and, and, you know, make sure you're, well, not marketing, but do some signage. Like, you know, if you put an alarm in a place, put a simply safe out front, uh, you know, put a yard sign. I even, sometimes I put a, a sticker on the front door. If there's a garage, I put one on the garage door. Uh, so I think there's always got to be some sort of checklist yeah. when you're moving people out. I mean, I often also just change the locks just in case, you know, an old tenant keeps keys and, um, that's a good that's, one. Yeah. yeah. Changing locks yeah. between every tenant. I, I think people forget that sometimes, but that that's a real easy one to keep the yeah. old tenant from going back in there. Why do you think they took the water meter and didn't try to mess with taking the furnace? Like that just seems so bizarre. <laughs> I, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, they stole the meter. I mean, we had the utility company replace it like the next day. Okay. So, all things considered, that I mean, yeah, you got lucky on on that yeah. one. But yeah, like having a vacant property, it, it's almost like you're a target for vandalism or somebody yeah. getting in there. So you you want to be careful. What about you know? I, I know you've got multiple properties. What about with the lockbox code? Like, do you ever use the same code at all times? Like, so if someone maybe has the code, they can get in. No, never. Okay, I mean, I, I always change them around, um, you know, and, and I try not to give them out like through writing. Uh, okay. Obviously, like if, if I'm selling a place, it has to be. But, you know, if I'm giving it to contractors or something like that, like uh, or giving it to, you know, people within our company, um, I always try to, you know, just change them up as much as possible. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and also just remove them. You know, you know, make sure lockboxes don't get stolen. Right, so, right. Yeah, I always, I always try to have different, different codes for every house and and limit um, exposure time as much as possible. You know, don't keep them up forever. Just take them down because you know when people see a lockbox, they're going to assume that a house is vacant. Yeah. So if you take it down like the day after a tenant moves in, or you know the day after you sell it, then you you limit. I think you're up. Uh, right right or if you've got a property rented and there's no reason for someone to be going in there take it yeah. down right i mean it's just you're just asking for trouble well, what about yeah. with the outside uh unit the, the outside like the the ac unit have you ever had problems with people stealing those 
I've had I've had people where it was obviously attempted, but we always put cages around the ACs, and the cages are um, impenetrable. I mean, you can't. I, I I've never seen anybody have any success stealing a caged unit. Good. Um, okay. Now the ones that are just like chained are a little easier for people to take, but I always try to try to cage them up. Uh, even you know, regardless of how old they are, it doesn't matter. Like just cage them up because an AC is is very expensive. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, I always I always cage them up. All right. The second mistake that you've made is with pictures. Um, like just, you know, using cell phone pictures is easy. It's so easy to take yeah. pictures today, just walking around, taking your cell phone and you used to do that, but you stopped doing that. So how are you doing pictures now? Well, I always get professional photography. Um, I think, you know, for listings, especially it's very important. I mean, I do some real estate, like on market brokering work. So I always get professional photography for that. It's tempting to not do it for rentals because, you know, you're just listing a $600 rental or an $800 rental. It's tempting to just go to the house, snap some quick pictures and put it on the market. But I think it's it's always been worth it. Also, because, uh, you know, if you put a rental on the market for six fifty, dollars uh, and you get some nice professional pictures, for one, they're not that expensive. Uh, but for two, you can reuse them later. Uh, you know, even if there's some changes in the house, like, you know, if you paint or something like that, even then it's helpful to be able to reuse the original professional pictures sure. you took. So I always, always use them like hundred percent of the time. And like I said, it's not even, not even that expensive. Uh, for what me, it's you, around 60 bucks. 60 bucks. So. Okay. Yeah. That's not too bad at all. I was thinking maybe 200, but yeah, if you can get someone for $60, <laughs> like that's totally worth it. Um, how did you yeah. find your photographer? Um, honestly, I think I found him because I listed a house. Uh, this was actually before I had my real estate license. I owned a house and I listed it through another agent and I thought the photographer's work was excellent. Uh, and I just asked like, who is this guy? Awesome. (laughs) And that, that was pretty much it. And also for, for photography, we always, as, as a management company and also as a, as an agent, I always pay for, uh, I always pay for the photography out of my own pocket. I don't, I don't bill at all. I, I just okay. Yeah. That sort of roll into whatever I get for a leasing fee or commission or whatever it may be. But I, like I said, I think it's always worth it. It, it makes the house in my experience, get a lot more attention. Absolutely. Nice. I mean, it's ridiculous how big of a difference it is between just taking a cell phone picture and yeah. and putting up a for a professional photographer professional yeah. photographer all right the, the third mistake that you've made in the past is letting tenants get behind on rent um yeah. so they t- talk to me about that what happened well i think sometimes it's tempting to you know accept partial payments and this is you know a mistake i made when i when i was first starting in the business um you know, I just, I would take partial payments. I would let people slide on, you know, moving in before paying their full security deposit. Uh, and, you know, of course, not every tenant is the same. So in certain cases, you are going to take partial payments, but you know that they will pay eventually. You just, you can't, obviously you have to treat everybody fairly, but, you know, you're not going to treat everybody the same. So, right. so you know, I, I, I guess I just 
was a little more lenient in the beginning because I just figured, oh, everybody will take care of it. Uh, but after going through a few years of doing rentals, you have to be a lot more disciplined in your approach as opposed to, uh, you know, approaching each situation and and not not going totally logical with it, <laughs> right. like just, you know, sort of being lenient and, and not being tough on, on tenants yeah. when they get behind. I mean, it's, it's tough, it, you know, and I, I know a lot of people are, a lot of landlords don't accept partial payments. They want the whole thing. But for me, yeah. I, I've taken partial payments dozens of times. If someone gets behind, it, as long as they have a plan on how they're going to pay, I'm generally yeah. fine with it. So like, do you kind of do it tenant by tenant that if you know exactly. someone is a good tenant and they're going to pay, they're going to get caught up, will you allow yeah. it? I mean, generally speaking, like if a tenant is, well, first of all, I try not to get to my, myself in the situation where a tenant is like way behind, but mm-hmm. like, for example, with the last year with COVID and stuff like that, there were more tenants for every landlord that were, you know, significantly behind mm-hmm. for those. Um, in general, I try not to take partials because then you, you just don't have much of a, a leg to stand on in terms of evictions and stuff like that. But yeah, I would say I approach it on a tenant by tenant basis because if it's obvious that they're going to pay and if, you know, maybe they have a history of, you know, following through on payment plans, I'll be much more willing to, uh, you know, to take a partial. But if it's just a new tenant who's behind in the first month, then probably not. (laughs) For, For me, the biggest thing is always communication. Like the second that they stop communicating or they make a plan and don't follow through with it. That's when yeah. I start getting serious about evictions. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it's so I, it's, so I, I guess what I'm taking is it, it's case by case. Like you, you, you want to be careful taking partials, but, uh, but you just, you want to work with the tenant and the goal at the end of the day, you want the tenant to be successful and to yeah. be able to pay rent. So, um, sure. okay. So number four, the number four mistake that you've made, and, and this one I think is interesting is listing properties on Craigslist. So that hasn't worked out for you so well in the past? No, I would say the marketing for rentals has changed a little bit since I started. Uh, in the beginning, I would say Craigslist was actually a fairly reliable place to find tenants. But I think in in my recent experience, Craigslist has been mostly filled with scammers and just sketchy people. Mm, yeah. that, you know, situations that I just don't trust. So I've gone away from that. Yeah, uh, I've done more on you know Facebook Marketplace, which I think everybody's doing now. But uh, you know, Facebook Marketplace is kind of a, a gift and a curse because you get so much attention because everybody's on Facebook. But uh, you also the fact that you get so much attention makes it hard to be picky because yeah. you have to pick one tenant. You can't you know if you get ninety applications, you can't pick thirty. So, right, right. You know, only one person's allowed to move in. So I would say I'm kind of old fashioned. I, I like Zillow. Uh, I like Trulia. Uh, but yeah, Craigslist has, has not always been the best for yeah. me just in terms of getting quality people. So if you put your ad up on Craigslist and you get 90 people messaging you, how do you mm-hmm. whittle that down? Do you have a system to, to make sure you're cause like that can be overwhelming to look at 90 messages. 
How do you do Usually that? What I, yeah, I mean, I kind of do it the same way. I kind of look at rentals the same way I do at hiring. Like when I've hi- had to hire like assistants and, you know, stuff like that, even going way back, like when I was managing a restaurant, like <laughs> when I was hiring cashiers, what I would often do and, and what I still do is like if somebody calls or texts or emails and says, hey, I really like this house or I really want this job or something like that. Um, you know, people are looking for things all the time, but I would say, I often just say, Hey, call me at, you know, 1130 tomorrow. And if they do it, I would assume that they're serious Mm -hmm. because they kept it in mind. They probably wrote it down and then they followed through. And, you know, if I get a good, good vibe from them and they seem qualified, then I'll probably move forward to the application process. And I would say, 80% 80% of the people fail that. <laughs> sure. So yeah. out of out of the 90, you're probably talking more like 10 people who are like seriously interested and don't have evictions. Uh, you know, it might even be less than that in terms of percentage that I think are actually qualified. You, you know, it's just the hard part is getting from 90 to, you know, seven. Sure, <laughs> and then from sure. there, it's kind of easy because you kind of know. Then you go from seven to three, three to two, two to one. So but I always try to do little tests like that where it's like, okay, call me at 11 15 tomorrow or, or, um, you know, email me this tonight or, or do this or do that or something like that. And, and then if they do it, I, I would assume that they're serious. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. All right. Uh, number five, the number five mistake that you've made is accepting the wrong tenant. And, you know, I think this is easy to do, but you, you have yeah. you had tenants that have seemed really good at first, but then just, have seemed like maybe different people once they've moved in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like it's like I said, I mean, I compare a lot of it, like a lot of the skills and a lot of the sort of strategy you have to use. I would say it's very comparable to hiring. And just like when you hire people, like sometimes you interview somebody and they say all the right things and they seem so incredibly ambitious. Uh, and then they, you know, they don't show up for their first day. Or they show up, but then they stop showing up, or they're just not that driven, or they're not that good to work with. I would say it's the same with tenants. You know, I, I'm honestly weary of people who, who I think are saying all the right things. I think, you know, that if it's somebody yeah. who is solid, they're going to know that they're solid, and they don't necessarily need to prove themselves. But yeah, I mean, we've we've all made mistakes in terms of moving in tenants. I think a lot of it comes back to. Um, you know, at least in the beginning, I would say just inexperience, not, not knowing, like not having the, um, you know, not having the, the, uh, I guess the history to know this is what this most likely is <laughs> instead of having sort of an optimist view about it, which I tend to about other things about life in general. But, you know, with, with rentals, you know, people will say a lot of things to move in. Right. <laughs> to get a place. You know, sometimes uh, so. you'll have tenants that maybe don't have the full deposit. Will you let yeah. anyone or have you ever let anyone move in without having the full deposit? Yeah, I have. And that, that was the first and last time I'll ever do that. Uh, because like I said, he, he, he seemed like the nicest guy in the world. And he, he did show the income and the credit was fine. The eviction history is fine. The criminal history was fine. The only thing he was missing was like $250 on his deposit. I was thinking, hey, you know, this guy's got money. He just he had just moved to town, which is always, you know, in general, a red flag 
<laughs> because, you know, moving to a new town is hard. So it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to move into a new town, have the job lined up, and then just start paying rent immediately. Most people, you know, maybe they'll move in with a relative for a month or they'll, mm-hmm. they'll live in like a really cheap hotel or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I made that mistake with one tenant and within a month <laughs> I was, I was at eviction court because he couldn't, he couldn't pay his deposit. He couldn't pay. Uh, and of course, because he couldn't pay his deposit after the first month, he couldn't pay rent. So it was just like from the beginning, it was like, okay, yeah, this was a mistake. Let's, let's get somebody else. Yeah. And we did. And that tenant actually, the next tenant ended up being one of our best ones. So that was, that was great. But yeah, that was a definitely a mistake I learned from. And like I said, it was kind of in the beginning. So it just stems from lack of experience and, and just being more, you know, hopeful than anything else. Sure. And you just can't, you can be, you can be optimistic, but you, you can't operate out of thinking, oh yeah, this will be fine. I believe it will be fine. Like there's gotta be some sort of, there's gotta be some sort of grounds in uh, objective data to know, to know that things are going to be fine and just see them through to the end. Sure. Sure. All right. And then number six, that the final thing that, that you've learned is not wasting money on eviction filing fees. So what, what do you mean by that? Well, I would say, you know, you kind of, I kind of approach it on a case by case basis also, just like, um, just like we were mentioning with partial payments. So like, for example, if you post an eviction notice on a tenant, uh, I mean, you're supposed to wait the 10 days, um, but, you know, by the end of that 10 days, if they haven't paid everything, of course, you want to just file, you just want to file immediately. But if it's a tenant who has plans to pay and they pay, at, you know, on the 12th day, then, you know, they paid and you, um, you know, and, and you paid the $123 or whatever it is for the filing fees, which, of course, you will stick with the tenant, but, you know, it's easy to just not even do that and, right. and not have to worry about, uh, you know, keeping up with what evictions you filed and what you haven't. So right. I would say I kind of approach that on a case by case basis where yeah. it's like, if I, if I know for a fact the tenant's not going to pay, I'll just file it immediately. But if there's a plan to pay, I'll, I'll be a little patient within that, you know, period of time between filing and actually being at court and see if they'll pay. And if they won't, then I'll file, but it's, um, it's easy to waste a lot of money and a lot of trips to the, to the court sure. on tenants who end up paying anyway. So now, when you go to court, when you have an eviction, do you generally get a lawyer or do you do that on your own? I would always advise people to get a lawyer. Okay. Um, I don't know how it is in other States, but here in Indianapolis, uh, you know, you can't even you can't even collect above fifteen hundred if you self represent. So, you know, if you're getting damages, especially like, you know, even if even if the rent owed is only eight hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, there's a good chance there's more than that in damages. Mm-hmm. And for that, you're kind of out because you know because if you're if you're representing yourself, you you have a limit. So I would always recommend the lawyer. I didn't like doing it in the beginning just because of the money it can cost for you know, lawyer fees and stuff like that. But I would say it's worth it uh, because they can get you more and they, they know more 
about the law than, than you do. Isaac owns a property management company in Indianapolis. And if you own properties out that way and you're not happy with your current management, or if you're thinking about investing in the area and you want to talk to Isaac about the market, he would love to connect with you. I've got his contact information on the website. You can find it at rentalincomepodcast.com slash episode 315. I'd like to thank today's sponsor for making this episode possible. It's Chaley Ridge from Ridge Lending Group. If you're looking to buy a rental property, whether it's your very first rental or you want to add to your portfolio, the lender that I recommend is Chaley Ridge. She's a nationwide lender and she specializes in helping investors buy rental properties. She has a ton of different loan programs and she can find something customized to you for your situation. You can find Chaley at her website. Just go to RidgeLendingGroup.com. That's R-I-D-G-E. LendingGroup.com. If you mention Rental Income Podcast, she will waive all the pre-qualification fees. NMLS 42056. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe or follow the podcast. We put out new episodes every single Tuesday. And if you subscribe or follow, depending on what platform you're listening on, you'll get notified as soon as new episodes come out. My name is Dan Lane, and this has been the Rental Income Podcast. I didn't like the idea that if something were to happen to me, my family was going to struggle financially. I mean, they're still going to have to pay the mortgage payment, car loans, credit cards, and whatever other living expenses they have. So I got life insurance, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind to know that they're not going to struggle. They're going to have some time to get back on their feet again. Policy Genius's technology makes it really easy to compare life insurance quotes from the top insurance companies in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. If you have life insurance through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it also might not follow you if you were to leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. One of the things that I love about Policy Genius is that their agents work for you, not for the insurance companies, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I didn't like the idea that if something were to happen to me, my family was going to struggle financially. I mean, they're still going to have to pay the mortgage payment, car loans, credit cards, and whatever other living expenses they have. So I got life insurance, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind to know that they're not going to struggle. They're going to have some time to get back on their feet again. 
Policy Genius's technology makes it really easy to compare life insurance quotes from the top insurance companies in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. If you have life insurance through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it also might not follow you if you were to leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. One of the things that I love about Policy Genius is that their agents work for you, not for the insurance companies, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.